As quickly as you can. Snatch the pebble from my hand. When you can take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. Then I was looking for the best people to train with. Right. Um, and it it didn't it really didn't matter where they were. Um I've I was training with uh I've trained with Guy Mesger, I've trained a little bit with Tito Ortiz, I've trained with Rampage, um, I've wow. trained with I've trained with uh Saxon, Jinjira out of out of Dallas. I mean I've I've like so many people that I've trained with, man. And uh it was weird because I come from a small town. I come from Sherman, Texas. Very small town. And it was only a few people that were doing it back then. And I had to get with who I like I even got with some traditional karate dudes who, you know, did like the PKA style kickboxing. I'm like, yeah. I was trying to get it, I was trying to get it all, man. I right. was trying to get every every little bit of help I could. And uh the first dude that I actually hooked up with that that was really, really big on the scene and doing things and he was big in Texas MMA and he was black was Eve Edwards. Wow. That, wow. That, that was a dude that I looked up to. And we ended up having to fight each other. It's, it's funny. We ended up having to fight each other. <laughs> What's up, Dragons? Your seafood is back. Well, another one for today. Your boy Roy Rob has Pete Spratt. That's right. Pete Spratt, the legend, a mixed martial arts legend on today's podcast. Get ready. And uh, another self-promotion time. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Now let's get into some martial arts. We are back, Dragons, with another one coming your way. Your seafood for the day. Roy Rob is back in the building with a very special guest. I don't have to say too much to let you know that we have a legend on the other end of this mic. Uh, basically, this brother has done so much for the game. He has helped so many individuals follow their dream and, and, and move forward and progress forward. You know, I'm all about perseverance and being that better person. So coming coming to us is an unbelievable person who is about to explain his why. And my man, so uh, tell, tell, tell us, man, who, who is Pete? Man, tell us about yourself. Who, who is that? Well, man, uh, you know, I used to get asked this question uh, before I got in the game. And because, uh, you know, I, I was pretty athletic playing football, basketball, high school, running track. Uh, went to college on a football scholarship and all of that stuff. And, you know, people used to say, you know, so really, who, who are you, man? Who are you? I said, man, I'm just a regular old dude that's doing extraordinary things. So if, if, you, if you're looking at me like a celebrity or anything like that, I mean, that that's that's nothing to me. That That's, that's secondhand to me. I said, really, I'm just a regular old dude. And uh, but because of my athletic ability and my talent, I'm in the spotlight. That's it. Man, man, that's a, that's 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 pretty humbling words for your accomplishments, though. People dream to have done a, a, one thing that you might have. I mean, it's people that basically said, I mean, I've done my my homework on my own. But I mean, I could tell you even to say I've been on the Ultimate Fighter show. Just that little basic thing. Like I've done some homework and I and when you start lining up all these accomplishments, okay, before we jump into all that, okay, peace brat. What do they call you? I know what they call you, but what do they call you in the ring? They call me the secret weapon. The secret weapon. And, uh, <laughs> how how I got that is uh when I was when I first started on the game, uh 
I would go anywhere to fight. It didn't matter if it was on two, three days notice or a week notice or whatever the case may be. I would go anywhere. So I, I went to Denver a few times fighting in Denver. Nobody knew who I was. And for some reason, every show, I would provide the most exciting fight on the show. And so I overheard wow. someone in the crowd. I overheard someone in the crowd say, that must be the promoter's secret weapon because this dude, he come out of nowhere and just be banging. And so that's how I got the name. That's how it stuck. Man, I, I feel like back in the day, people would take risk. And I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if people take the same type of risk oh, that no. provides that same excitement. Like I saw, I would watch some of them old fights, and you would, and even if I saw you fight, like even as just the difference of it looked, even if you were in a boxing ring, like there's no, there's yeah. no cage to stop you. Like people could yeah. go through, like like rampage, like you, like I, there's certain fighters that could take a risk and be like, dude. People don't do it. It's very safe right now. Is that a first statement? Oh, yeah. It's definitely a first statement. Like today, back then, we was fighting because we enjoyed it. It was something that we love to do. But today, today it's a business. It's and a ain't business. nobody, yeah, nobody's willing to risk their record because of the business part of it. Yeah. Like. Like I'm gonna tell you, man. I'm gonna tell you one time. Me and Evan was on, we were on the same team, right? So we were trying to figure out, all right, who gonna fight at the 175 division? Is it gonna be me? Is it gonna be me? So we we flipped a coin. So I had to go up to 85 to fight. You know how I made 85? I put some weights in my pockets before I stepped on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> that that's how it was back in the day. I put oh some my weights. god! I put some weights in my pockets to step on the scale to make it to the one eighty five weight class. That's crazy by itself. Just thinking about that, and now it's dangerous as hell to say I'm going to go up and fight, and I don't care what nobody says. That's a dangerous move. You got to really have a lot of heart. Like I used to box. And that's only I I, I I boxed at light heavy, and when I got in the ring with a super heavy, thinking it was easy game because I thought I was gonna be that much quicker. When that dude yeah. hit me with that left, it was no joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it's dangerous, crazy. man. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy, man. I got a, real quick. I got another story. So we was in we was in Houston training, and uh, one a couple of my guys were fighting on this kickboxing match. So we're on the we're on the bus, we're on the van. Headed to the kickboxing match. The promoter called. He was like, hey, man, we lost a fighter. Do you have anybody that can take this fight at like 180? And Eve looked at me. He was like, P, you, you want to fight? I'm like, yeah, man, but I ain't got no I ain't got no shorts. I ain't got no cup. I ain't got nothing. He was like, we'll, we'll take care of it when we get there. I said, all right, well, it's, good. it's a good thing I brought my mouthpiece with me then. And I took a fight on... What twenty minutes notice? Dude, and didn't have no gear. <laughs> that that's crazy. Like <laughs> and, and even thinking about that, man, it's like how to. It it just doesn't seem real because you you it's a it's a preparation. Now, weeks, months, just to, yeah, yeah. there's no there is no. I'm going to take anything short notice. People are scared of that. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Back then it was anytime anywhere any place. Wow, man. All right, so so let's start day one. When was your first fight at what age? I was 
20. Well, my first fight was in 90, 98, 99. So. That puts me. I think I was around 20, 25, 24, 25. And who and who who was that first fight? Was it was it a memory that you'll never forget? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a dude named Keith Sutton, and uh, we were we were uh, actually I had a couple of homeboys that were going to be fighting, and they asked me if I wanted to fight. I was like, yeah, I try anything once. So uh, we got it. We got it booked or whatever, and uh, it was going to be a tournament. It was in Colleen, Texas. The promoter was Shannon Rich. So we go to Colleen, and the promoter was going to try to make us pay $25 to be in the tournament. It was like a four-man tournament. Yeah. So I'm like, hold on, I'm like, hold on man. I ain't, I ain't paying. I'm not paying you to fight. Like, now nah, we're going to have to come up with something a little better than that. So anyway, we figured that I ain't have to pay. So I fought this kid named Keith Sutton. So back then in Texas, you couldn't close fist to the face. So it was Pancras rules. So it was open hand to the face, but you but you can kick and knee a dude in the face and knee a dude in the ground and knee a dude on the ground in the face back then. <laughs> so it was it, it was at this bar in Colleen, Texas called the Wild Rose. I'll never forget the bouncers had on like tuxedo tuxedo shirts and bow ties with cowboy hats. And Wranglers, tight ass Wranglers too, with the big belt buckles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, oh, I got in there, man, and uh, I like to do that with an open heel strike, palm him strike in the first round, and then I was hooked after that. And what's funny is Fujita from Pride and Don Fry was there. So Fujita, uh, Don Fry was cornering. Fujita, but Fujita fought under the alias uh, uh, Sato. And I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, I know I've seen this dude before somewhere. You know, big old Japanese dude with his ears ate up like that. Yeah. I'm like, I know, I know this dude. I've seen this dude somewhere. So about a month later, I'm watching Pride. Sure enough, there they go. They announced him. I was like, that's the dude that was fighting in Khalid. I'm like, his name ain't Sato. <laughs> Damn, dude, dude, that that's that's a story to go down in history, bro. How did he do that night? Did he win too? Oh, he won. Was, oh, he smoked him. He smoked two dudes in one night. It wasn't even a question. It was easy. Golly, golly, dude. All right, so so now you had your first fight. You got these memories. Now it's like I'm going to this. This is something I want to do. Yeah, yeah, like the feeling I got. And now this is a different I, time. Like, there's no. There was no mixed martial arts like it is now. Who, who you were training like primarily one style? Oh, it it was NHB back then. So you know, I was I was doing I was doing some. I would I never did any wrestling. Uh, we would do submission some submission grappling or whatever. But I had already boxed and done uh, traditional martial arts anyway during right. that time. I was boxing. I was boxing while I was playing uh, football in college to stay in shape during the offseason. All right. So okay. I was already boxing. I mean, I fought Golden Gloves as a junior in college uh, okay. during the spring. So I was already boxing and stuff like that. So my hands and stuff was already on point. It was just a matter of being able to avoid the takedown and, and trying to knock somebody's head off. Right. So, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was crazy, man. It, it, it was so fresh and it was so new. And I remember watching the first UFC. I was a junior. No. First USC was in 92. I was a freshman in college. I'm looking at that. I said, I would never, ever 
do that shit right there. No way. <laughs> never say look never. At you, never say never. Golly. Now, now speak to the evolution of the game because at some point you said, okay, it's time. Uh, you got noticed. I, I major fight with Robbie Lawler and you got that invite to the UFC is that right is that correct uh repeat that you got a mate you had a major fight with Robbie Lawler and then yeah. you got that invite to the UFC is that is that the kind of the the transition that no, happened no 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 um Robbie was my third fight in the UFC oh get out of here Robbie was my third fight um I I mixed that all up. So how did you how did you get that invite to the UFC? What what transpired to all that? So I vaguely I, I vaguely remember even how I got into the UFC. I just I know that I was on their radar. Okay. Uh, I was I think I was ten and four. I was ten and four. I had beat a couple of named dudes. Uh one name in particular was Ronald June out of Hawaii. Um but I was already on the radar. So this is two years. This is two years into my uh, into my career because I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I, I had taken this this seminar or whatever. And they say, you know, write down your goals, uh, write down the game plan, how you're going to get there and give yourself a certain amount of time to get there and achieve these goals. So I gave myself a two year plan and I said I want to be in the UFC two years into my career. And it happened. So uh, I think I might have been on a four or five fight winning streak and uh they were already on the radar it was like you know look if you uh if you win this win this fight we'll pro we'll probably bring you in and wow. so uh so i won i won because uh, my manager was in contact my manager Sven Ben, he was in contact with joe silver quite a bit you know trying to get me there because my my stable mate dwayne ludwig was already in the ufc wow got you so that's uh so that's how that's how uh they put the radar on me I just had to make sure I didn't mess up by losing a couple of fights to to mess up my opportunity. Did you did you feel at that time it was going to become what it is now? Like back then, there, there was hardly no payments. There was no the, the, it was small money compared to what it is now. Is it, you know what I mean? Um, did I think it would evolve to what it is today? No. Um, but it's funny. Uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, I guess, uh, once we get to the part of how I got on the Ultimate Fighter or whatnot. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, I ha I had no idea that it would would be this multi billion dollar company at this right. particular. Right, yeah. right. So, so this is roughly two thousand two, two thousand. My UFC debut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh two, oh three, somewhere off in there. Okay, perfect. Okay, so uh, so I'm thinking back. So in 2003, because it was, it's almost like um, 98 was that first. 97, 98 should have been UFC one, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around that time, right? That was around that first. Ninety. Ninety two. Ninety two was UFC one with with uh Hoyler, not Hoyler, uh Hoist with Hoist. Hoist. 92 no 93 was the first one okay i just feel i just I remember think, yeah you, you know what I, the video came out I'm, I'm thinking about the video because it was in uh, mass production yeah yeah, yeah. Video. like it, 
I mean, it might have been going down, but nobody that that boom, everybody found out. I'm thinking because I remember I graduated in '98, and I remember seeing this circulation of this video, and everybody. Oh, okay. That that's why I'm mentally thinking yeah. about it. Okay, okay. Now '93, like '93 was the first UFC in Denver, Denver, Colorado. Your your call up, I would call it a call up in my in my mind. Um, it's it's about to be this transition. You're starting to get these fights. Explain what's happening as you as you're going through. Explain the difference in what's happening now versus then. Kind of give my dragons, my listeners, the understanding of what's what's going through as 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 if we were there with you, a fly on the wall. Tell us about that. Well, for me, man, just. Um... I was just training every day. I was training every day, trying to find people, trying to find the best people that I could train with every day. And, uh, I mean, it's weird, man, because it's, it's almost like it was a dream. Like, like there are certain phases in your life, and each phase is kind of it's different for you. It's a different time frame. So it's a, you're, you're a different person in each phases uh, of your life. And back then, man, it's weird, man, because that – that whole time back then seemed like like a dream like like i'm like i'm not really doing this so now wow. looking back I've, I've, never, I've never really had somebody you know pose the question to me to have me look back at that particular time period but then i was looking for the best people to train with right um and it it didn't it really didn't matter where they were um I've, I was training with, uh, I've trained with Guy Mesger. I've trained a little bit with Tito Ortiz. I've trained with Rampage. Um, I've wow. trained with, I've trained with, uh, Saxon, Jinjira out of, out of Dallas. I mean, I've, I've like so many people that I've trained with, man. And, uh, it was weird because I come from a small town. I come from Sherman, Texas, very small town. And it was only a few people that were doing it back then. And I had to get with who I, like, I even got with some traditional karate dudes who, you know, did like the PKA style kickboxing. I'm like, yeah. I was trying to get it. I was trying to get it all, man. I right. was trying to get every, every little bit of help I could. And uh, the first dude that I actually hooked up with that, that was really, really big on the scene and doing things, and he was big in Texas MMA, and he was black, was Eve Edwards. Wow. That, wow. That, that was a dude that I looked up to, and we ended up having to fight each other. It's, it's funny. We ended up having to fight each other. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, that was a dude I looked up to, and uh, I was thinking to myself, one day, man, I want to train with that dude. I'm like, I'm, I'm gotten everything that I can get from these people out here, but one day I want to train with that dude, and uh, that ended up happening. So he was the he was the most relevant dude that I had started training with early in my career. Did you did you feel like uh, during that time period, um, like it just seems so weird now? Because I remember when I first started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it just felt like the secret art that nobody had access to mm-hmm. and nobody knew about. So no matter what, even if you had like that stand up, like where I'm from, boxing in St. Louis, Missouri. People know boxing. This boxing was normal, but martial arts for a black kid, like I got my love. That's why I named my podcast Enter the Last Dragon from growing up watching Bruce Lee. Yeah. And then there was this brother, Bruce Leroy. I was like, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, my, But it wasn't normal to love martial arts. That wasn't normal. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so now 
I, I felt like when I when I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and my start was in 2007. I just think back even then it was just like, and that's that's way after it's still for it felt fresh, brand new, and nobody hardly knew it compared to what's known now. It's like yeah. it seems like everybody knows it. So I can yeah. only imagine you in 2002, 90 world almost like yeah. <laughs> you a part of the society. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like like shoot boxing, catch wrestling. Um yeah, all of that stuff, man. It was so brand new back then, man. It was just, it's. I remember seeing a dude that was so swole. I'm like, that dude look like he'll kill somebody, right? So I, <laughs> my homeboy, I want to say this dude was probably about two fifteen, two twenty, rocked up dude, muscled up dude, and uh, my homeboy was like hundred and sixty pounds, maybe soaking wet, thin, thin dude. I'm like, ain't no way you finna beat that dude spawn. Triangle choke the dude out. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. I'm like, all right, I'm sold. I'm sold on that. Right, right. So, so how do you? So let's go to the transition now. You've had you, okay. So we got up to the third fight. Uh, and next, tell me, tell me what happens there. Let's go to the, to, to. I'm in the UFC now. What's happening next? So this is this is before or after Lawler. Uh, this is before Lawler, right? Like right during that time okay. period. All right, my first fight was against a guy named Zach Light, D one wrestler, All American, and he trained with Tito. Tito Ortiz. Okay. Yeah. So he he was my first fight, and what really put me on in the eyes of the UFC and, and the and the promotion and, and the world was they knew me as a kickboxer. I submitted to do by armbar in the first round. <laughs> Whoa. So, that's, that was the first time people was like, okay, this dude is doing everything. He's a prolific striker and he's working on his ground game. Wow. But what's so fun what's so funny is the submission I caught him in, we had specifically worked that submission the night the night before in training. Wow. And he put me in a position and it was where I was going to, I was going to start walking the chest. And if he kept control of the back of my neck, all I had to do is spin and my legs are right there to take his arm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to walk the fence and he's still holding my neck. I'm like, this is exactly what we mm -hmm. did last night. Wow. Wow. So I spun, I spun, took his arm. Boom. That was it. So initially, my, my initial contract with the UFC was, I was under the understanding and under the impression was, okay, we're going to sign you to this three-fight deal. We're going to build you up, and then we're going to take from there. So my first three fights was supposed to be a build-up, right? So after I submit this dude, they wanna, they matched me with the former champion, Carlos Newton. Wow. Like, how was this a build-up for my career? You're gonna match me with the former champion. That don't make that, wow. that don't make so at the time Robbie Lawler was really hot at the time. He was smashing everybody. Right. So I was like, I was like, nah, I don't want to fight that dude. Let's fight this up-and-coming kid. Cause he's up and coming in the UFC. I'm brand new to the UFC. Let's fight this up and coming kid. So they told me 
you don't have to fight Carlos. But if you don't, we don't know when we're going to bring you back. So now I'm in a situation. I'm doing this full time. I'm not doing it part time. And the money was small change. And the money was small change at the time. So it's like, okay, I can't, I can't not fight because I'm relying on this income. This is my income. This is what I do. Right. So I was like, I, I'm going to do it this time. I'll fight Carlos, but I'm going to need to get that other dude if I fight Carlos right now. I said, because they've completely gone from what they said they were going to do. We were going to build your career. Right. Uh, you you ain't building nobody by putting them in the in in second fight of their contract in with the former world champion. They just lost his belt. He just lost his belt to Matt. That was a setup all day. That's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened with that. I lost that fight with, with Carlos. So this is the second fight. So in my eyes, I got a three-fight deal. They already they already got an issue with me for raising the stink about you know not wanting to fight Carlos Newton, right? So now yeah. I'm already so now I'm already kind of a, a bad taste in the company's mouth. So now the next fight, they give me Robbie Lawler. Like, bro, he killing everybody. He's seven and oh, I think he's seven and oh, eight and oh at the time. I don't I don't remember. Uh, but he knocking he knocking off everybody. Veterans, right. new dudes. He's knocking off everybody. So I'm thinking in their eyes, they give me this matchup because it's the last fight on my contract. Robbie killing everybody. He's going to kill this dude. It's his last fight on the contract. We don't have to bring him back. We done with him. I smashed Robbie. <laughs> now it's a wrench in the motor. It's a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrench in the mouth. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. He now nah, wait a minute. He wasn't supposed to do that. That wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> so now, third fight. I'm brand new to the UFC. Remember, I'm brand new. It's my third fight. So um guess what they offer me for my next fight? What is that? Robbie's teammate, Matt Hughes, for the uh-huh. title. You see, that's that, that's sick. That that so, that's the next setup, right? That's the next setup. Yeah. So me being the type of person I, I am, nah, bro, you ain't finna uh, you ain't finna do me like that again. So I'll be I'll be your whole one time. I was your whole one time for Newt, okay? But I'm not finna do it again. So they offered um, they offered me well the next the next tier on the pay scale. My first contract was two and two, four and four, six and six. So I made four thousand for the uh, for the Zach Life fight, minus some deduction. So it was less than that. It was actually less than four thousand dollars. Golly, that just don't make no sense. And so then I go up to fight don't. Newton, the former chair, the former chair for four thousand and four thousand. This former chair. So I lose that fight. Guess what? Less than $4,000 again. Right? So now, because I lost that fight, when I fight uh, Robbie, my pay, again, is 4 plus 4. Doesn't go up. It, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. 
Only way it goes up is if you win. Right. So now, so now I'm in my third fight fighting uh, Robbie Lawler for four and four. Okay. I beat him last fight on my contract, so we had to do a new contract for the for the title fight. That's so, you should be. I would assume you should get way significantly more, right? It's a title you fight. Think, you would think because now two and two, four and four, six and six. That's the that was the first tier back then. Yeah. So then after that, it was going to be eight and eight, ten and ten, twelve and twelve. Okay. Okay. That's just for the re- that's just for regular fight. Right. Not now for a title. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So now they um. They offered me eight and eight to fight Matt for the title, which was basically the the, the second tier of a, just a regular contract. Second tier. No, that by itself, I understand it's a big, big. I'm just, it's no way, man. What was what was Matt getting at that time? You think what was the title fight getting? What was they getting? What do you think? Matt was getting fifty and fifty. Oh, hell no. And they want to give you eight and eight for that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if they said 25 and 25, that that made more sense. Even, it, it, that's we just count, crazy. We counter-offered it 25 plus eight. And they said no? Said no. We wanted, we wanted to, like, we didn't want to hit them like that at 25 and 25. Like that's cool. Nah, just give me, just give me twenty five up front. Make twenty five my guarantee. Right. I'll do twenty five. I'll do twenty five plus eight. That was a reasonable counter offer to me. They said no, so I said peace. That's just wow. crazy. That's crazy as hell. But see, the difference between me and some of these guys today is they won't do that. Right. That that's why a lot of them are mad at the position that they're in right now because they won't step up for themselves. They have to come together collectively if they want to change the scope of the game. All these fighters are complaining about getting paid, but not one of them will say, "You know what? Now nah, I'm not gonna fight." Right. Because th- there's another dude of lesser stature, lesser experience that would jump up in that spot and say, "Well, if he won't do it, I'll do it." But if they want to see something change about that's their crazy. Pace, they need to come together collectively. Because that, the, show that, so, the show don't run if you ain't got no fighters. If you ain't got no fighters. That that just my mind is just blown right now, just thinking about and I've talked to people who are even in bare knuckle fighting championships. And I talked to them dudes talking about, dude, I, I made more money in BF in bare knuckle than I made as an MMA fighter. Professional fighter, and I'm just sitting back thinking to myself, like I'm amazed. Now I, I understand it's a business, but it's a it's a risk level when you putting your body through that much. Like you, the compensation needs to, you know what I'm saying? And and like you say, the only way for them to really be able to make that change, it's gonna have to be a shift. At least yeah, thinking yeah. about it, you know what I'm saying? So so how, what's your next transition? You said peace now. You you out of there. What happened next? What happened next? I went to kickboxing. I was, is, kickboxing, I was kickboxing overseas. Is that is that how you end up fighting George St. Pierre? Is, is, is How did you end up with, with a fight against GSP? Okay. The fight with GSP. This is after I left the UFC. This is after I left. 
Told them deuces. I'm out. Y'all ain't finna. Y'all ain't finna pimp me. I'm not your hoe. You're not finna pimp me. So I said I'm out. So I did a. I did a couple of kickboxing matches in Australia. It's like, all right, this is a chance for me to see the world do something different. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm with that. So then the fight with uh, GSP gets offered. They had seven, seven and old maybe at the time. Hold up, I can look right now. Nah, he was four and old. Four and wow. old. Wow. So, Hold on. Uh, so, so this is a big deal. I got to let my dragons know. Dragons, just so you know, George St. Pierre is one of the premier fighters that everybody ranked and, and felt like he was uh, one of the epitome fighters, like the, the, the fighter. He is that dude when it came to UFC. And, like, he just basically came through and just, like, Help propel the sport uh, and the, the UFC's name brand to a whole nother level. Uh, so people got really excited about G G George St. Pierre. People just know the name. You might not know him if you're a new listener. Do, do some history. My man Pete Spratt is now has the opportunity to go against this guy who becomes just on his career. Go ahead and talk to that. Yeah. So he's he's 4-0 at the time. I'm 6-4. and four. Um, So now I'm like, George St. Pierre, like, so, you know, I kind of check him. I try to I find a little bit of footage of what I can find. I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, it's a risk. But, you know, at the time, it's like if I was going to get back in the UFC, I could have taken any losses. So the first matchup, I get to, uh, I get to Montreal. Stay before the fight with the way in. We having a press conference. Come to find out, GSP can't fight. Got a bad infection in his knee. Wow. You could have told me this before I came out here. Right. You knew he had a. You knew he had an infection in his knee. You knew the fight wasn't going to happen. But why fly me out here for that? Right. So you know, it's cool. I mean, me and GSP was cool, man. We've always been cool. Um, and you know, we even hung out. Um, that particular fight uh, that didn't happen, we even hung out after. Yeah. So we, he was real cool, man. He took me out or whatever, and uh, it was cool. So then the rematch is set. I want to say that fight was probably set for January, March, maybe like March, February or March, that fight was set. So now we've got the rematch set up for May. But during that time, I get a call from the UFC to fight Carl uh -oh. Parisi. Wow. So me, being a dude that I am, I'm already sour with these dudes. I'm like, it's like, yeah, we got your fight with Carl Parisi if you, if you want to take that fight. So me being the honorable dude that I am, I'm like, nah, man, I've, uh, I'm signed to fight this other, this other cat on this other promotion. And... I'm I'm gonna stick to my word and I'm gonna fight this dude for this other promotion. Like you're not gonna drag me over there. Like, nah. So I fight GSP. That fight happens. I fight him. He beats me and whatnot. Then they give him the fight that they were gonna that they were offering me. It's crazy. So they bring yeah. So they bring him right in after after uh, I lost to him, and uh, so that's that's how he got his shot in the UFC. 
Dude, just just think just think about how you impacted the, like Even though you didn't get there might not be no no UFC to where it's at right now if, if you didn't have that competition. Like just to think about who knows what could have happened, what direction things could have gone. Yeah, like, say I don't take that fight. Say I don't take that fight and I go back to the UFC. It might take GSP another year or so to even get in. To get in. And it's yeah. a whole different change up in the in the UFC yeah. dynamic in general. Yeah. It's a big that's a yeah. big concept, man. Like, dude, you you've impacted the sport times ten. So I'm I'm thinking to myself, like, when I when I even when I wanted to ask you questions, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, the toughest question I really I really wanted to ask you, what would you tell your younger self? You right now, what would you tell your younger self at that current point? What's something that you would be like? This is my advice to you, young Pete. Listen up and listen well. What would you say? Oh, I tell myself you did the right thing. Still. I love that. Still, yeah. I love I, that. I did, I did what was best for me at that particular time. It might not have worked out exactly how I wanted because, yeah, I would have preferred to beat the dude. But now, now speaking on terms of, of the way you've diagnosed it, man, I changed history. It changed. His. Think about this, you, do, do you, dude. I, I promise you. Think about that. Reason why the UFC is where is at to a certain degree. So you had BJ Penn, you had Matt Hughes, you have GSP, you have all these dynamic fighters who, in my mind, that was just taking the sport like this and just c- continuously. Yeah. I mean, literally. You have Rampage. Dude, these are people that you competed against. Rampage and, and what's my man's name? Uh, oh, my God. Um, God, what is... What you talking about with and, the uh, Chuck Liddell. I'm talking about Chuck Liddell. Chuck, yeah. Chuck Liddell. Yeah, Chuck. Dude, dude there, there was... You were in this era. I mean, you really look at it. You was in this era that people really... It's almost a golden era of UFC is almost what, you, what I would kind mm-hmm. of want to put it at. Yeah. Yeah. And and you you directly impacted it, <laughs> like really think about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. So now, how did you get to the? How did you get to the Ultimate Fighter? How did that happen? Okay, so this is this is a crazy story too, right? So now I've decided I'm going to retire. I've decided I'm going to retire. I'm done. So I took a fight. I wanted to fight back in the state because I had been overseas. I had been overseas fighting. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna retire from this MMA stuff. So I take a fight for this promotion in uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, can't remember the name of the promotion right now. It'll probably come to me after we even get through. But uh, right. and and so guess who I'm fighting though for this promotion? Guess who I'm fighting? A young Matt Brown. Oh my God, dude. I'm fighting a young Matt Brown. That's crazy. I want to say, say the promotion was IFL, I think. But anyway, so my opponent is a young Matt Brown, right? So I'm at uh I'm at weigh-ins. I get a phone call from my manager. I get a missed call from my manager. Like, let me call him back real quick. Like, what's up? He's like, they want you to do the ultimate fight. Huh? I'm like, man, I'm finna, I'm finna retire. What you talking about? 
he was like, "Nah, bro. They he's like they they're doing a they're doing a season where they bring back guys that's already been in the UFC for a shot at the title." I'm like, "Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to think about that." So one of my one of my mentors in the game, one of my coaches, Sauce Elise, who he was a uh, used Tito's trainer, trained Mark Kerr, trained Kevin Random, wow. trained me. Uh, it was a monster of dudes he was training back there. We, like we were doing the whole Jackson's thing out of Houston, Texas, before Jackson was doing Jackson. It was wow, crazy. Man. We, we yeah. had a we had a crazy, crazy squad. Sauce Elise, Houston Metro Fight Club. He was just on the season prior with uh Chuck and with Chuck and Tito. Okay. He was, uh, he, he was Chuck's he was one of Chuck's coaches. I mean one of Tito's coaches. So I called him. I'm like, he the only person I know that had experience on the show. So I called him. I'm like, yes, yeah, saw man, they they calling me talking about they want me to do this ultimate fighting thing. He said, bro, he said, if you don't listen to anything I ever tell you in life, listen to this. He's like, do the show. I'm like, I I'll do the show. So I hang up with Saul. I call my manager Savannah. I was like, I yeah, I'll do it. I'm in. What what we need to do? He's like, somebody from the Ultimate Fighter is gonna call you. Mind you, I'm at weigh-ins. I'm getting ready to weigh in for a fight. That's crazy. That's crazy. They call me. They say, I heard you. You you're down to do the to do the show. I'm like, yeah, I'm down to do it. So they tell me, say, all right, look, we're gonna fly you in on Tuesday. We're gonna do all your, we're gonna do your medicals, we're gonna do your your, your bio, we're gonna do all of the stuff, your interview, everything. We're gonna do all that. We're gonna fly you in on Tuesday and do that. Say, so in the meantime, so I know you got a fight tomorrow, so don't get banged up for your fight. Wow. And we'll see you. We'll see you in Vegas on Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. So I go. Uh, I beat Matt Brown. And then uh, next thing you know, Tuesday I'm headed out. I'm headed out to Vegas to do my preliminary work for the uh, for the Ultimate Fighter. That's now that's insane. So you so at this time now you've already fought in the UFC. You already go on to a show that's like gaining massive amount of popularity. So your name is already like people know who you are. Yeah, and you still. Yeah. I mean, they know who you are, and it's like, dude, you got all these things that's happening. Where do you? Where did you anticipate things to go next? Because your your mind was retired. Now you like, yeah, I'm back in. I, they pulled me. I'm trying to get away, and they pulled me back in. So now it's like, t- tell us that transition. So yeah, my my issue was, you know, I had been doing kickboxing the last couple of years anyway. So yeah. I wasn't training no. I wasn't training no kind of mixed martial arts. I was just mm. straight stand up. But, you know, I'm like, you know, I got to punch this chance. I can't somebody knock him out, you know. There you go. Right, right. So at this particular point, I'm like, all right, I get back in. Um, I get on the show. I'll be seen nationwide for weeks at a time. Right. And, uh, I mean, publicity-wise, uh, PR-wise, I mean, it was a win-win for me. Exactly. So, you know, I'm just like, all right, I'll take the opportunity. I was like, I don't expect to win the show because I haven't been training in MMA. I don't expect to win the show, but it's still gonna be it's still gonna be a good opportunity for me right. and for my career. If right. I if I wanna continue to do this. Right. So yeah, I mean it, it was a win win, man. Like 
yeah, I get to be on TV. People get to see me. They get to, you know, learn about me, learn about my life. And, you know, there you go. I mean, I've seen, all, I've seen the, what, the first three seasons and how it's done for the careers of those guys in those first three seasons. So, you know, I mean, honestly, it was a no-brainer, but, you know, I had that sour taste in my mouth with Zufa and the, and the whole promotional uh, aspect of them, and I was just like, eh, I don't know if I want to mess with them, but, you know, Saul said, do it. It's a great opportunity for me, so that's what I did. How do we, how do we, so this is, this is the part where, cause my, my, my podcast is geared towards, I mean, I don't discriminate, but my podcast is, is geared for black people. I want mm -hmm. us to be successful in this, in this sport of martial arts in this, in this fighting world, in this, in what we do as a business. So thinking about this transition that the, even the UFC happens and it's like, all of a sudden you sell the UFC and it becomes this billion dollar business that has now transpired to what it is today. Let's yeah. let's go into that deep dive on the business side of it. Like where where do you where do you see the game has where it came from to where it is now and where do you see the biggest opportunity? I mean it's that's a crazy question in the fact that the UFC looks out for the UFC. So there's only a few guys that's really making a, a decent amount of money. Right. Uh, if you look at boxing, even some of the, the, the say, the B-level guys. Yeah. You got your A-level. You got your A-listers. You got, you got Deontay Canelo, Wilder. Yeah. You know, Wilder. You got that A-list tier, right? Right. Then you have that tier that's below that. They still making million dollars. Millions of least. dollars. Yes. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and then you look at the same thing with the uh, with the UFC. You got your A-listers, Conor McGregor, killing it. Killing he's it. making the he's making more money than anybody. Right. Conor. And then you got Jorge Masvidal. He ain't making he ain't making kind of money, but right. look how long he's been in the business. Crazy. This dude has fought everybody, and he just now getting to the point to where he's making four or five hundred thousand uh, dollars guarantee. That's crazy. You know that's what I'm insane. saying? Yeah, that's G a true statement. GSP was killing it. Uh, I don't even think Matt Hughes was making a, a large amount of money like that, like you would expect him to make. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chuck made $25 million over his career with the UFC. Um, Tito, made, Tito was making quite a bit of money. Wasn't boxer money, but he was right. making quite a bit. So, um, so you think unless, it would be difficult? You think it's just like it's just very difficult – or, or should we should there be to own like how do we own some of this this sport that we primarily dominate like like I think about boxing like here's here's the basic part so like boxing back in the day Jack Dempsey who was all those boxers from like the first um uh before Ali it was um Leonard Robinson uh no nah, Sugar Ray Sugar Ray Robinson there we go yeah. but like. And then you was like, Fra so it went to Ali Frazier. And then all of a sudden it was just like, okay, you saw 
you saw Golden Boy along with Bernard Hopkins, but you saw diverse members saying, or even Don King saying, okay, I'm finna carve out what we dominate as as black individuals. We yeah. dominated boxing, right? Yeah. How do we get how do we get our feet in now before it's like 50 years down the road before it's just like we didn't figure it out? You know what I'm saying? Like what I'm just thinking about it. Like I mean this. I mean, technically, this this has been a white man's sport almost from the top. The, the Brazilians, True. the Brazilians created the concept, but it, but it was that white dude that had the money putting it into the concept, right? I feel that, right? So, I mean, honestly, we need some multimillionaire African Americans that will, first of all, consider the risk that it's going to take to have to be able to get involved with the sport. Because Dana and and, and the Fatitas, they bought the company at $20 million. And basically, it was was dead back then. Right, right. It was dead. But they took the chance. And then they sell it for three point four billion. It's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Like, there were there were several times that that they almost completely shut the UFC down. Right. Because they were losing money, losing money. I mean, there's not a lot of people that's gonna continue to lose money and not shut a business down. Right. That's they true. Could, they could they could kind of see that this thing might just might take off. So they were really to take that risk. I tell you like, I don't know if you ever remember when Mark Cuban was promoting. Uh, no, it's not. Uh-uh. Okay. He did two shows. Uh, that's not. He did yeah, two, he did, you said? He did two shows. I fought on both of those shows. Two shows. He lost a ton of money. On the promotional aspect of it, being wow. the being being the promoter and the money guy, Mark Cuban's what he's a billionaire, right? Billionaire, yeah. He chose. He had he had his media company, HDNet. So he had his media company. So actually, him, I do I do remember that. I do remember the story now. Yeah, because he he was the dude. And this is ninety nine or something, and he had his own web. He tried to do his own website, yeah. and it was it was supposed yeah. to be the live stream. I remember it one hundred percent. It just clicked in. I'm yeah. with you now. Yeah. So he did his two shows. He lost money on both of those shows. So he's like, I'm not going to keep promoting and keep losing money. Right. It's a smart business decision for him. Now he's a billionaire. Right. If anybody, if anybody could take the risk. He could have took the risk. Right, exactly. Exactly. He he was like, nah, I'm not going to keep losing money. So what he did, so what he did was with his media company, he saw saw the niche for what, for where uh, MMA needed to be put on national TV or be able to be seen. Exactly. He's like, so now I'll defer my cause. I'll let these promotions promote their shows, but guess what? I'll air it on my network. On my network, broadcast.com, whatever I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So now 
I ain't got to be losing money. Yeah. I can I can there's production team. We put our production team to these different shows. We put these shows on our network and we'll gain we'll gain uh, an audience. And that's how I'll get my money. People will start subscribing to HDNet, and that's how I'll get my money back. So I look at now, even now, to last night's fight, you saw the big fight, Kobe Covington. This is for a title fight. It's To me, it was a lot of controversy, even during that fight. And people don't, this is the part that's so ugly about America to a certain degree. This is why I kind of want us to be able to carve our own little space out and have some, and be able to make profit off of what's happening. At the beginning of that fight, rounds one through two, they kept screaming, USA, USA, USA. And and, and and I'm thinking to myself, like, are y'all some idiots? Like, like he's he's lived here. Like, what are y'all talking about? I feel like somebody woke up and said, wait a second. I think he is American. <laughs> like, hold on. He's just representing. And, and they woke up, and all of a sudden, you see, at the end of that fight, they start screaming, Kobe, Kobe. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So even that dynamic, I'm just like, dude, look at the stuff we have to deal with on ignorance. I thought the, I thought the exact same thing. Ignorance, man. And, so, and, and if you really look at it, by the time up to round four during that fight, in their mind, they, they wanted – I feel like they was leaning on Kobe because they kept talking about – they was making these little statements like, well, according to unofficial cards, he landed more by that time. He had basically landed more shots, even mm-hmm. though there was some more power. But that goes perception to the judge. It can go either way, and that's always been a controversy. There's power yeah. – and that more, I control the ring, control the fight, win over the amount of landed punches. And that's always been that every Mayweather fight has been like that. Every, every It's been that, that conundrum when it goes all the way. So I'm so happy. I'm so happy he finished that fight. Because I, I would just, would I ain't got no heart to pull out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have been going crazy. That's that's the way I was feeling, man. Did, did, did you, tell me your feelings is in in of what the game is now. So the UFC now, just seeing what you know and know, just seeing what you see and knowing what you know about the UFC, give me some insight on, on your feelings about what's happening right now and what young men who are fighters should be thinking about as a fighter. I mean, first of all, they, the number one thing that as a fighter that they should be looking at is their word to the promotion. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you as a fighter are not with the promotion, there is no promotion. Mm. So you have more strength and power than you really think you do. But again, that has to come as the fighters come together collectively. It can't be one dude, two dudes, 10 dudes, 15 dudes. I want to say they got over, what, 500 people on the roster. Right. If you get 500 people on the roster to say, look, we ain't going to fight again until this changes. You're saying got no choice. They got to wake up. If they ain't got no fighters to put on the show, they ain't got no choice but to, to uh, concede to the demands or, or what, whatever the fighters are looking for because they need better pay. 
They need health care. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a lot of things. Or they don't even have to provide health care if they pay them enough that they can pay their own health care. That's you right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a there's a majority there's a majority of fighters that still got day jobs. It's crazy, you know. I mean, look at look at the the recent situation with uh, Liz Carmouche. She basically got let go because she was too good. They need they need younger fighters to to build up and they to build that division that particular women's division, and she was just beating up. Other than other than champions, she was beating up everybody else. So they're like, "How are we going to build anybody if we got this gatekeeper that, been... that can't get over the hump to get the title, but she's killing all these all these young talent? She got to be out of the way so we can build a new narrative in this division and build some new people. That's cold. That's cold blooded. That's cold as hell. That's just craziness. You get let go because you you're you're too good." You're not you 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 can't get over the hump to get the title, but you killing everybody else, and that's weakening your division because we got this gatekeeper Liz Carmouche that's killing everybody else, but she can't win the title. So what what do we do with her? Let her go. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. So so what are you doing now? What what are you doing now? As far as uh, because I'm, I'm I know you're doing uh, and shout out to my boy Travis for hooking this connection up and, and, and making this work. But what what's going on now with you in 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 the fight world, so people? So I mean I'm a, I'm a part of the uh, the committee with the uh, Mixed Martial Arts Fighters Association uh, MMAFA. I don't know if you've heard of it or whatnot, but you know that, that there was this, there's kind of us, and then uh, what's her name, the the chick that just went to Bellator. Um, that's how insignificant she is to me because she left <laughs> our, she left our group to spearhead her own group or whatever. Uh, but basically, you know, we're just trying to educate educate fighters on their rights and and things that. Need because the, the scope mixed martial arts isn't MMA isn't a sport yet, right? It's not a sport because there's some there's some things that need to be changed in order for it to be con considered a sport, right? Um, I mean the thing that protects boxers is the Muhammad Ali Act, and so. When say that again. Say that again. That's important for the listeners. The things that protects boxers, or say that again. Say that one more time. That, the things that are in place that protect boxers is the Muhammad Ali Act. Yeah. And that's back when Don King was raping fighters for money. You know what I'm saying? He did it to uh, he did it to Tyson. He was doing it to Ali and whatnot. And uh, and that's basically where where the promoter controls everything right so if you look at the structure of mma right now um when when people talk mixed martial arts or mma regular people or the casual fan say ufc now ufc is a promotion ufc is not the sport it's not the sport that's true UFC, that's facts oh, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. They are promotions. They are not the sports. So there was an argument on Facebook the other day. A dude posted a posted a 
a question. Is UFC bigger than boxing? What do you mean? <laughs> UFC UFC is not a sport. It's not a sport. The proper question would have been, is it's MMA worse. bigger than boxing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and that's how the UFC has geared the public to think. They want, they, first off, they, they want to consider it a league. So now what they've done is they, they put you in these uniforms, these Reebok uniforms. But as, as participants of that league, you don't get the same benefits that other, say, league employees get. Get, that's no, no, crazy. No no. no, no, you're an independent contractor. So why do I have to wear this stuff that you are providing to me? Right. If right. I'm an independent contractor, I should be able to wear my own stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they want you to, they want you to believe that the UFC is a league and it's not a league. So the structure the structure of mixed martial arts is completely different and needs to change. Um, they the UFC controls the fighters. They control the rankings. Wow. And they can and they control the belt. Wow. That's illegal. Wow. Okay, we dropping some nuggets. Nuggets, every professional fighter. Y'all need to be tuning in. You're getting some nuggets right now. Like, really think about this as a business. From the business perspective, if you are a true fighter out here right now, you're gonna you you may not have in, like had to come to this right now, but at some point in your career, you might run up against a scenario whether you get into the UFC or you've exited the UFC, where this impacts you directly. He's dropping nuggets. Please listen. I'm sorry. Keep going, my friend. This is a big deal. So, I mean, if you think about it, look at look at the other promotions. Not often do you hear com fighters complaining about treatment from other promotions. No. One FC, Bellator, you don't hear nobody complaining about how they're being treated over there. But it's a constant. People are constantly complaining about how they're being treated at the UFC. So, again, we got... We got UFC, they control the the fighters. They have all the fighters on contract, which is cool. I mean, as a promoter, you 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 should have a roster of fighters as a promoter. Right. But you shouldn't be able to control the rankings. So that means you can do whatever you want to do as far as matchmaking. Right, because, you yeah. don't have, because you control the rankings as well as the title. So now that's why you have all of these it, it, fighters that are that are jumping ahead of the curve to get the, the, the money fights. And then they put on this fake trophy as a title to bring the viewers in to buy the pay-per-views. Like the BMF. Yep. The yep. BMF. Yep. That, that was a trophy. That was a trophy. The bad <laughs> I, I enjoyed the entertainment. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was yeah. great entertainment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a trophy. That, that wasn't legit. It wasn't legit. It didn't mean nothing. And that's the crazy part. If you really just, even if you just look back, dang, that's, I'm sorry, man. You just got me excited about even the thought about that. Because that Nate Diaz return was 100% built that up. There was no Masvidal conversation. I mean, he did get, he, Masvidal did, did uh, what's, my, what's the dude that just retired? He just, he knocked him out on it, the fastest KO. 
the dude, Mizzou, the Mizzou dude, uh, he was at, he was in uh, Bellator or, or one FC or whatever. He, he uh, undefeated, just retired. Masvidal knocks him out in the first round, and he got rear naked by. Uh, oh, you talking about B? Ben Askren. Say it again. Ben Askren. There we go. Ben Askren. So Masvidal did handle Ben Askren. I give him that. But I swear it was more excitement after from that that build up with Nate Diaz. And yeah. Nate Diaz threw that. Nate Diaz did what you did. He threw that wrench in there when he came back out of, on short notice and won that fight. And they was like, wait a second. Nate Diaz wasn't supposed to win that fight. And it was kind of like this big build up BMF, a fake, a fake, a fake belt that everybody yeah. got pumped up about. Everybody was talking about that. Like, bro. It was, it cost 50K to make that bet. I don't want, give me, give me that money. <laughs> you spent $50,000 on this, on this fake belt. No, give me that 50, 50 G so I can put that in my family's mouth. Right, man. That's real. <laughs> That's real. So, um, man. but yeah, man, I mean, you look hey, at what just was retired. For like a couple of years, and he goes and fights for for the middleweight title. It's crazy. In boxing, in boxing, if you don't fight the mandatory within a year, they stripping you. Right. Right. That's because the belts are controlled by somebody else. The belts have their own individual organization: WBA, WBO, WBC, IBF, all of that. They control their own ranking, so they say, okay. This is here's here's the here's our rankings. Here's the number one challenger. Like somebody is right now, they talking about they gonna strip if they don't Joshua, WBO. If oh he don't wow, fight, Anthony. If yeah, he don't Anthony fight Joshua. number one, they gonna strip him. He's he's got two mandatories, I think, with the WBO and the WBA. So now they're gonna have to figure out okay, which which mandatory is he gonna face, and can we get the number one challenger for the other organization to say, okay, I'll hold on so you don't get stripped and let you fight this other mandatory. Now you gotta come back and fight me. Wow. The other mandatory. Wow. But now if you don't if you don't fight the mandatory, you get stripped. Now they ain't they ain't creating no interim titles. Like exactly. you get a bear, you get an interim shot, you get an interim <laughs> shot. You can't fight next week. You get an interim shot like the UFC is doing. All these interim belts are unnecessary. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you if you can't fight the mandatory within a year, then you need to be stripped and somebody else needs to fight for that time. Man, dude, this is you dude. I'm telling you, so so MMAFA, that's your organization name, right? Yeah. Mixed that, martial arts. And that association, that organization is geared and built around helping fighters, no matter what organization you're a part of, LFA, UFC. What about the other organization like Bare Knuckles Fighting Associates? Is there any connections with that or any other, uh, or is it all just mixed martial arts only? It's all mixed martial arts. Okay. Now, understandable. So that's, that's great news for fighters out there. Yeah. Our initiative is to get the Muhammad Ali Act to cover mixed martial arts as well. That's awesome. That's our... Man, I've been to D.C. lobbying Congress for this. Wow. I've been to D.C. Several of us have been to D.C. Uh, you know, there's Randy Couture, 
Kung Lee. Yeah, Nathan, yeah. Uh, John Fitch. Like, it's a bunch of us, man. That's amazing. It's a bunch of us that's, that's fighting for fighter rights. I mean, we, we, we do it primarily behind the scenes. Uh, like, if you follow us on, on Twitter, you'll see a lot of uh, information that we put out there for the fighters. Uh, we've got a uh, we've got a Q and A that we have for fighters that's probably got about four or five hundred fighters in it that you know have any kind of questions on you know how we can educate them in in certain situations and things that's going on with the sport. But you know a lot of fighters are resistant to uh, to go against the uh, the engine. You know I what I'm saying? The engine yeah. UFC uh, for fear of being cut. I mean, because there's been you know some fighters that's been cut that's that's been involved with our with our organization that's crazy uh, but uh you know i mean that we're not like monetarily we don't get nothing from this right we don't get nothing from it the only thing we're trying to do is educate fighters to put themselves in a better position that they'd be able to take care of their families in the future it's all that we're trying to do dude Dude, that's that's amazing, man. Like I think the the news, the words need to be spread. The word needs to be spread. It's it's real messed up if a situation where it's just kind of like, hey, I'm trying to get information in the UFC. Even just cutting somebody on the thoughts of like this is supposed to help this person. Like I'm I'm pretty positive if they doing that, there's some things where it's just in their mindset is negative towards them. But in in all actuality, it, it becomes a situation if the fighters get on board. They have to. It's almost like get down or lay down. Like they have. If all fighters got on board with this, which helps yeah. them, the UFC would have to conform. They would have to. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, if, if you want to look at the league aspect, the league aspect has free agency once that contract is up. That's facts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. basically, with the UFC, it's either you you sign what they want you to sign, or you don't work. That's crazy. But they want to treat you like an employee. But like you, a league. But then, but then at the same time, they flip it on you and say, well, you're an independent contractor. So which is it? Am I going to get, so if, am I going to get league union-ish benefits if I'm a part of your league? Do I get union right. benefits? Or am I an independent contractor and I got to do my own stuff? But at the same time, you making me wear all of this stuff and I'm not getting compensated for it. Like, I remember one time we, I was at, at, at the UFC in Australia with one of my fighters, and we're at Wardrobe, and there's a logo, there's a sponsor logo on, on, the, on, his, uh, on his shorts. And they, they tell us, oh, that's a, don't worry about that logo, that's a sponsor that the UFC picked up. Well, I ain't getting no money for that. Where our money at? Right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's the UFC's money. You don't get none of that. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So now I feel like is is we got we we covered a lot, but I have to do a couple different things. Number one, uh, was there an inspirational thing, a fighter that you can think of, facts, fi uh, fact or fiction, fictional that inspired you? So that way I know how to tailor my next question. Question: Wh What fighter, like like me, I say Bruce Leroy. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there somebody? body that that really put you in the right place that inspired you i mean um i think bruce lee is an inspiration for everybody you know what i'm saying uh 
But as far as, you know, the inspiration and looking at, at, at my skin tone. Right. Jim Kelly, son. Oh, no doubt. You know no doubt. Saying? That's what Jim I'm talking Kelly. about all, all Jim, day, right? Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly was one of those dudes, man, that like, like hometown dudes, a cat named James Rabbit Brown. Uh, another, uh, a guy that's, that I went to high school with that was cold in Taekwondo. A dude named Dietrich Spencer. He was a dude that I looked up to, man. Yeah. He don't know, he don't know that, but, uh, <laughs> we're right, we're right. We're at the same age. You don't know yeah. that, but yeah, man. I mean, it, it's it's a lot of people, man, that just just coming up over the years. Like when I got back into traditional martial arts, the movie that inspired me was The Perfect Weapon wow. with Jeff Speak. Wow! And that's how that's how I got into doing uh, American Kimbo. What so, you think yeah, about man. my guy Michael Jai White, man? Oh Peace. yeah, yeah. Love love Jai. Yeah. So. He know his stuff, right? Like it's it's yeah, a certain right. amount of actors that that's just kind of like, eh. like they've even talked about that with Bruce Lee. Like, hey, that dude's an actor, and he he, but here nor there because he had, but but I, I Michael Ja know his stuff, man. Yeah, he's a legit martial artist. Like, right? He, he legit. Test him. Test him and find out. <laughs> <laughs> so my next you know question, you I got is this trivia. I have to put you on trivia spot right now. Name uh, for me. Name for me, because this is Roy Rob's trivia for my dragons. Name for me five black actors that uh um it doesn't matter what time period, just five martial arts action films with black actors. Name for me five. Give me five on the spot. Blade. Check. Uh well, it's, it's not his film, but I'll take it back to him being in the film, Jim Kelly. All right, but what, what movie though? Give me a movie. Oh, in a dragon. That's two. I'm with you. I got it. Keep come uh, on. Three more. Oh man, Michael Chow White. You know any of his films? You got anything with him? Uh, uh, what what is it? What is it? Uh, I'm gonna give you Undisputed. I will give you that Undisputed. That's three. Are you or, it, or do you or did one, you want? I was gonna go back. I was gonna go to the. Universal. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what he was in that. But I was going to the uh, to wave back like undercover brother. There we go. Okay, hold on, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going. I'm going undercover brother. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna slide. That is not like blade <laughs> level, but I'm gonna let that slide, man. You. We got four now. You got one more. You got to give me one. Oh man. Oh man. One more. You got something. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, I'm drawing it's a blank. Tough. It's tough, ain't it? Ain't it tough? Ain't, yeah. Hey, what's it, crazy it, it is really what's is. crazy. It's like it's like that, man. It's like we got to do better, and 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 we got some. It's some more stuff out here. I even take, I even take boxing. We'll do boxing. You can ask somebody in for boxing too. Give me something with boxers in it. Nah, I'm I'm gonna nah, I'm gonna stick nah, I'm gonna stick Super with Super Martial uh, Arts. You got it, okay? The Last Dragon. The last. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate. You. <laughs> appreciate you, yeah, man. I appreciate you. There you go. Hey, man. So, where do my people follow your story? Because I'm gonna have to have you on again. It's, we ain't got enough time to peel back all the layers. Where do they yeah. find Peace Pratt, man? Where do they find you so they can follow you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Pete Spratt. 
You can find me on Facebook. All you got to do is search Peace Spread. It'll be two pages come up. My personal page and my business page. Is, uh, Peace Spread 2 is the actual link on, on Facebook. And those are, the spots you, those are the spots where you can find and then also, where do the where do the fighters go to to sign up and join the MMA, MMA FA? Search MMA FA, MMAFA.com, or you can go on Twitter, MMA MMA FA. Perfect, man. I appreciate you. Like I said, man, we just the business side of what you've been able to do for the game and what the game is evolving to. I think all the information you've been able to provide is a, a massive positive for where we can eventually get to is brothers like you that's going to make this game even better for people that look like us so i appreciate yeah. you brother keep it going i pray that you can come back again hopefully with your blessing i can get you back on into the yeah, last no dragon roy rob signing out